Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Luke chapter 16. Then Jesus told his disciples the following story. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account now of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first one, How much do you owe my master? Eight hundred gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and change it to four hundred. Then he asked the second one, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it eight hundred. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this, and they were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked at his sores. The time came when the beggar finally died, and the angels carried him away to Abraham's side. The rich man also died, and he was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water 
and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you're in agony. And besides all of this, between us and you is a great chasm, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus is giving us some very interesting instruction in this chapter, and he has a lot to say about worldly wealth, not only in this chapter, but in various places in the Gospels. But he says in verse 10 of Luke 16, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And so he's talking about integrity, that if you're trustworthy in small things, you'll be trustworthy in big things. But if you're dishonest in small things, you'll be dishonest in in big things as well. And I think you probably know that from your own human experience. So he's, he's stating a condition that's common to man. But then he shifts from worldly positions of trust to an eternal perspective. Because in verse 11 and following, he starts to talk about something he refers to as true riches. And these true riches are what occur beyond the grave. Now listen carefully to verse 11. So, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, worldly wealth, that's everything on this side of the grave. What are these true riches he's talking about? These are eternal things. So Jesus is saying in this parable that heaven uses our integrity issues here on earth really to determine if we're trustworthy for things in eternity. And you may not know this, but there are degrees of responsibility and there are degrees of reward in heaven. It's not just a matter of who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Within those who go to heaven, there will be various levels of responsibility. And so this parable is speaking of worldly wealth being used to train us and teach us and test us to see what we're, um, if you will, qualified to do in eternity, what we're trustworthy for in eternity. It speaks of true riches. These are the, the spiritual things, the things of God that come next. And he goes on in verse 12, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And so this someone else's property is implying that in the days of our flesh, everything that comes our way, we're stewards of, we're not owners. Once you give your life to Christ, everything belongs to Him, and you're stewards of His property. But there'll come a day in eternity that you'll be entrusted with property of your own. And so the question is, if you've not been trustworthy with his property in the days of your flesh, how can you be counted on to be trustworthy in eternity? Conversely, if you're trustworthy now, you'll be considered trustworthy then. 
So the objective is to be trustworthy and a person of integrity now. Verse 13, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, what is he talking about, friends? Is he saying that it's a sin to have money? He's not. He's saying that it's a sin to let money control you. Or to be put another way, God doesn't mind you having money. God minds if your money has control of you. And so the Bible says that you cannot serve both God and money. You can't have your love and affection and attention on your money and serve God effectively. Your primary allegiance has to be to God and not to your money. And so these principles of worldly wealth um, being used for the king and the kingdom and us being tested by our integrity concerning worldly wealth and whether we're honest or dishonest, and then thereby qualifying for true riches in eternity. These are things that are contained all through the uh, New Testament scriptures, especially in the Gospels and the stories of Christ. In this chapter, we also have one of the most vivid descriptions in the Gospels of hell. And so in verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. He lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. And so this rich man was oblivious to Lazarus's need and uh, had no concerns for him. But in verse 22, the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried, but the rich man went to hell. And so in hell, he was in torment, and he looked up. And he saw Abraham with Lazarus by his side, far off. So he called to Abraham and asked that Lazarus would bring just the tip of his finger with a little water on it to cool his tongue. And he said, because I am in agony in this fire. And so this is one of the images we get for hell. It's torment. It's burning. There's a place of continual burning, continual agony. um, No moisture, no water. And it goes on to describe it. Um, Abraham says, son, in your lifetime you received good things, but Lazarus received bad things, but he's comforted now, and you're in agony. And he says, between us there's a great chasm, or a great gulf has been set in place, so that those who want to go from one side to the other can't go over. What's that saying? It's saying that hell is final, friends. If you're separated from God, you don't just get to make up your mind again when this life is over. Now, is when your life needs to be committed to Christ. And so this uh, rich man who's in hell tries to get Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his brothers. And he says, if a man comes back from the dead, surely they'll listen and repent. But Abraham says, no, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to the Bible, they'll not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Well, today, friends, there are people listening to this broadcast that don't believe That's someone who rose from the dead. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. If they don't believe the rest of the Bible, they won't believe the words of Christ either. But Jesus said, a man must be born again. That's me, that's you, that's every man who's ever lived. Jesus in this parable says there's a real place of torment and agony. And that's where those go who despise others and who reject God. Friends, today is your day to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you've never prayed to repent and receive Christ. I want you to consider doing that right now with me. Pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, and you say it your own way, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I'm estranged from you. 
Lord, I don't want to be like this rich man and wake up one day in torment. Having despised my fellow man, God, forgive me for not having mercy on the poor. Forgive me for focusing on the riches of this world. Forgive me for having a lack of integrity and being dishonest. Lord, I repent for these things. I ask you to forgive me. I recognize that Jesus is your son. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me because of Jesus and his sacrifice now. In his name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.